Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church and delighted to welcome you to worship today. To all of you at the Franklin campus, those of you in the overflow, God bless you and welcome. Let's worship God together by opening the word of God to Matthew chapter 21. I am finishing up today a sermon series, uh, just been walking through the gospel of Matthew and looking at the parables of Jesus found there. Today, a very important parable found in Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 33. What do you think makes good preaching? Some of you folks have been at this for years. You've been going to church your whole life. You have heard a blue million sermons by now, so you should be some sort of expert. What makes good preaching? What do you think? Somebody tell me, somewhere in the house. What makes good preaching? From the heart. Yeah, it's from the heart, and I agree with that. Tom is suggesting that good preaching has a whole lot to do with a preacher, with the heart of the preacher, and I accept that, and I agree with that. It has something to do with the heart of the preacher, but I think one of our mistakes is thinking that preaching has a whole lot to do with the preacher, and that's simply not the case. Please understand, I am largely beside the point. Now, I know that uh, in preaching, we really pay a lot of attention to the preacher. You really like it if the preacher is a slick dude like Pastor Eric or, or like somebody on TV. You like to think that the pastor matters a lot. That's why you like to see that big, tall preacher hair on, on, on a pastor. You're wishing I had that, don't you? Big, tall, slick back preacher hair. Now, that is the Holy Spirit. Higher the hair, closer to God. You know what I'm saying? That's what you're wishing for. Maybe preacher hair or maybe an educated pastor. Some people really want a preacher who always uh, makes sure that the participles ain't dangling and all that and, and wouldn't say it ain't that sort of thing. You want to make sure that the pastor's educated and you're thinking that it has a lot to do with the preacher. But I remind you, open the word of God. God has managed through the years to speak in so many different ways through all kinds of prophets all kinds of preachers, all kinds of ordinary people. At one point, God preaches his message through a donkey that belonged to Balaam. Please understand, the preacher is beside the point. What matters is God's word. And if you want to be real honest, good listeners make good preaching. It has something to do with the heart, but it has a lot to do with the heart of the listener. Good listening makes good preaching. I want you to listen to the word of God this morning, and maybe this sermon will become something of the word of God for you. Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. This is God's word. Listen to what Jesus says. Now, listen to another story. Certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. That's everything you need for a vineyard. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned the other. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmer saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. 
When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, what do you think he'll do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, he'll put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked them, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. When the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was telling this story against them. They were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. We're in the middle of track season at Greenwood High School. My son runs track. I'm a parent booster which means uh, track meets, I have to find a job, and the job they've given me is, is on the microphone in the press box. I talk. Can you believe that? Big, big surprise. Big surprise. One day I was up there just announcing, and honestly, my script is pretty much written out, and periodically through a track meet, I'm supposed to say, uh, I'm supposed to ask that all the spectators, all the parents, please step back. Don't get too close to the ropes. Don't lean on the ropes or press the ropes. Make sure you stand back far enough to give the athletes plenty of time to run. It's written out. I mean, I, I say it five times, and it's right there, word for word, and I just read it. But, but, but one particular track meet, I, I read those words. I would like to ask all the parents, all the spectators, please stand back from the ropes. Do not lean on the ropes or crowd in too closely to the track so that the athletes have plenty of time to run their event, that sort of thing. I just said it like I'm supposed to say it. A few minutes later, this woman, woman comes barreling up to the press box. I mean, there are 100, 200, 300 people there. She comes up to the press box, gets in the window and looks at me and says, why are you talking to me that way? I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. Why are you talking to me that way? Ma'am, do I know you? Have we met? No, I was down there leaning on the rope, and I don't understand why you're talking to me that way. This woman's crazy. She shouldn't be anywhere near a rope. Do you understand? This woman's crazy. This woman was one in a crowd. There's probably 100 people leaning on the rope at that moment. I promise you I didn't see her. I wasn't thinking about her. I didn't look at her when I said it. I just read it off the page over a PA system. But what happened to her? She heard that personally. Why are you talking that way to me? Now, that's interesting. That's interesting. Remember years, actually... 30, 40 years ago, there was a song by Roberta Flack. It was remade about 25 years later by the Fugees called Killing Me Softly. You ever heard that song? It's a really interesting song. It tells a whole story. Do you remember? Uh, It goes like this. I I heard he sang a good song. I heard he had a style. And so I went to see him and listen for a while. Remember that song? What happens? Remember the chorus? Strumming my pain with his fingers. Singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly. Do you remember that? Yeah, it's a wild song. I felt off lust with fever, embarrassed by the crowd. 
I felt he'd found my letters and read each one out loud. I prayed that he would finish, but he just kept right on strumming my pain with his fingers. That is a horrible song. That's the saddest song you've ever heard. Well, what's that about? It's about a person who simply goes to hear a random singer, but when she gets there, she has this horrible feeling that, that somehow he knows her. That with the words from his random song, somehow he's been reading her mail. That somehow he can look right into her heart. And the words that he sings are, are somehow words that belong to her. Words that zero in on a target right at the very pit of her soul. It's a feeling of being laid wide open. A feeling of being exposed. And that's exactly what it was like to hear Jesus preach. Have you ever heard Jesus preach? I know you've heard a lot of preachers in your life, but you really should have been around to hear Jesus preach. It was probably not what you're thinking. Those of us who've been to church as many years as some of us have been to church, we're used to sort of tuning out the preacher. And some of you, I must say, are very, very good at it. You've made this an Olympic sport. You can clip your toenails, you can pop your gum, you can color all the O's in the bulletin. I mean, you can shut out a sermon, but you wouldn't have shut out Jesus. He was a master kind of preacher. Of course, there are all kinds of folks these days who will tell you how to preach. And these days, one of the big fads, actually, it's coming back around, is what they call expository preaching. And I love expository preaching. There are a whole group of people these days who say that's the only way to preach. You have to preach the Bible, and I always preach the Bible. There's nothing else to preach. I get really nervous if a preacher's preaching, but he hasn't opened his Bible yet. I begin to sweat it because there's nothing to preach but God's Word. Understand that. But there are a lot of ways to express God's Word. And I get very uncomfortable whenever somebody says there's only one way to preach because honestly, if you're preaching God's Word... There are a lot of ways God's word can begin to unfold. Have you ever heard Jesus preach? It wasn't exactly expository. It wasn't exactly like much of what you've ever heard before. Scripture says he never really opened his mouth without a parable, without a story. But the way Jesus told a story is amazing. Now, sometimes his stories were funny. You're not expecting him to be funny, so you never crack a smile. But I'm telling you, when Jesus told his stories, sometimes they were funny. And people would have laughed. They would have really enjoyed the humor in his stories. His stories were all about everyday things, vineyards and women who are making bread or looking for a lost coin, a man who loses a sheep or a man who loses a son. And Jesus would just tell these stories, stories from our everyday life. A man was traveling down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and everybody knew that road and they just listened. That's the thing. Jesus would just start telling a story and people would just start listening. See, good listening makes good preaching. And of course, the most important thing always is to get the crowd to listen. 
Those of us who have grown very callous to sermons, we've learned how not to listen. And we've learned that the minute the preacher starts preaching, we've learned how to raise up the defenses. We've learned how to sleep with our heads sitting on top of our shoulders without nodding and falling. We've learned how to shut down. But Jesus managed to slip that sermon in underneath the defenses. So before they knew it, they were already listening. They forgot not to listen. Do you understand? They're drawn into the story. And Jesus would draw them in with the story. And the story always has a twist and always has a turn. And they come deeper and deeper into the story. And then at some moment as Jesus is preaching and they step into the story, a door closes behind them. A door closes and then suddenly there's a decision to make and they make a decision, they make a judgment, they draw a conclusion and before they know it, the truth has fallen on their heads like a ton of bricks. Now that's a sermon. It's exactly how it works in today's scripture. Did you see that? It's exactly how it works. Who's Jesus talking to? Remember, when you're interpreting the parables, you always want to look and see who Jesus is talking to. And in this very important parable told in the last week of Jesus' life, he's talking at this moment to the religious leaders. He's talking to the preachers. He's talking to the priests. He's talking to those who think they own worship. He tells this story to them. He says there once there was a landowner. He, he, he bought a property and he set it up for a spectacular vineyard. And he put everything there that every good vineyard needs. He gave it a source of water. He gave it a pit. He gave it a fence. He gave it a tower. Everything that you would need to raise a good crop. And then he hired workers. He brought men in who would stay there at the vineyard and who would work that vineyard. That was their only job. He gave them everything they needed. He gave them instructions and he gave them a purpose. And then he left. He moved off to another country and he left them in charge of his vineyard. Come harvest time, he sent his servants to come and collect what was due him. Remember, it's his vineyard. Remember, everything from that vineyard, it belongs to him. And he sends his representatives back to collect. But what do the evil farmers do? They kill him. They kill those who have come representing the owner. So what does the owner do? He sends more representatives, this time a larger group. He sends his thugs, his goons. He sends them out to the vineyard. But what happens next? They kill them. They beat them. They kill them. They stone them. They get rid of them. Anyone who represents the owner is put out of the picture. So then the owner does a shocking thing. What does he do? He decides to send his son thinking, surely, surely they will respect my son. But what do they do? They kill the son. Jesus looks at those religious leaders and he says, what do you think the owner's going to do when he finally comes face to face with those evil farmers? And what do the priests say? Ah, he ought to kill them. He ought to make sure they die a horrible death. They need to be punished and put away. And then what does Jesus say? I'm talking about you. Is that interesting? They passed judgment, but they didn't realize at first they had passed judgment on themselves. The truth broke through, but the truth broke through on them in a way they had not expected. And that's always what happens when Jesus preaches. When Jesus preaches, the truth breaks through, but it breaks through on you. 
And it is not always flattering and it is hardly ever a pleasant feeling. Sometimes you've been to church and you've heard the preacher preach and we say he stepped on your toes. And sometimes we laugh and make a joke about that. Oh boy, he, he, he trampled all over my toes today. But, but understand, that's exactly what you want to happen. That's what the truth does. And that's how Jesus preached. He turned the truth loose in a story. He turned the truth loose on his audience. And before they knew it, the truth had fallen on them hard, fallen on them like a ton of bricks. What do you do when the truth falls on you like that? What do you do when you don't expect it, but somehow out of nowhere, the truth just falls on you like that? What do you do? What do you do? When you're listening to God's word and all of a sudden you realize he's talking to me. This word is for me. What do you do? A whole lot of us, we just try to get away from it, don't we? We just try to get away from it. I'm sort of a sermon junkie. When I'm not preaching, I'm listening to preaching. I'm weird like that. I follow preachers like some of you follow the NCAA. Do you understand? I've got my favorite preachers. I have an Andy Stanley Turvis Tumblr. I, I love that. Andy Stanley's a preacher. I know y'all think that's weird. I have an Andy Stanley Turvis Tumblr. If they made Andy Stanley pajamas, I would wear Andy Stanley pajamas. Andy Stanley's my favorite preacher. I, I really like him. I love preachers. When I'm running, I listen to music, but lots of times I'm listening to preaching. Some of you, if you listen to as much preaching as I listen to, you'd run right off a cliff somewhere, baby. You couldn't take it. I love preaching. That's part of my problem. I love it so much that when I listen to somebody else preach, a lot of times I'm just enjoying a sermon. I'm thinking, wow, he did a good job with the scripture there. Wow, that's a wonderful illustration. Wow, I like the way he's using his hands. Or I really wish he wouldn't walk back and forth so much. I'm watching a sermon and I'm enjoying or maybe criticizing a sermon. But that's not the same thing as listening to it. It's very hard for me sometimes to let the sermon go to work on me because I manage to keep a distance from it by, by sort of criticizing it or learning from it or planning to steal it later. But that's not the same thing as listening. Some of you do the same thing. You walk out Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and say, Brother Tim, that was a good sermon. I, I appreciate that, but, but I'm wondering, is that all you do when you come here? You just enjoy a sermon? Because when a sermon goes to work on you, it is not always a joy. It's not always enjoyable. Some people get away by just simply never coming back to church. Have you noticed? It's exactly what a lot of people do because honestly, when they get to church, it doesn't feel good. It does not feel good. I've been there. Moments of my life, the seasons in my life when I am out of fellowship with God, church becomes a miserable place, an absolutely miserable place. And I'm really honest enough to understand that it really has very little to do with what I preach, very little to do with, with the actual content of what I'm saying. What makes good preaching is the Holy Spirit at work in the listener's ears and in the preacher's mouth, but it's the listener's ears and the Holy Spirit is the one who takes the sermon home to your heart. That's why the sermon I preach is not always the sermon you hear and that always amazes me, always amazing. A couple of weeks ago, a guy came up to me, and I love this guy. He came up and said, Brother Tim, I just got to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, that sermon you preached on idols, that sermon you preached on idols made me understand that, that in my life, work has been an idol like that. And I just want to thank you 
Because ever since you preached that sermon on idols, I've really begun to realign my, my relationship with my work and my job. I said, wow, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. And I'm thinking, when did I preach a sermon on idols? You want to know a secret? Don't tell him. I didn't. I didn't. I went back to the Sunday he said, and you know what? I said the word idol approximately one time. One time. I said the word idol maybe one time. What did he hear? A whole sermon on idols. Isn't that cool? It's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why you're here today and all you're hearing is a sermon about money, but I didn't even say it till then. Because when you come to church, when you come before God and you sit in his presence, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to your heart, starts taking truth straight to your heart. That's why some of you think that all I ever preach about is sex. Some of you say, Brother Tim, you preach about sex all the time. No, I don't. But if you hear sex all the time, that says more about you than it says about me. Do you understand? That says more about you, sexy, than it says about me. All that preacher talks about is money. That's not true. But if that's all you hear, that says something very, very interesting about your checkbook. Very interesting. And so people get away. If I just never go, if I never sit, if I never listen, then I never have to hear. And many, many folks deal with truth this way. They just get away from it. They just manage to stay away. And that's why it's so hard to get your spouse to come to church. That's why it's so hard to get your friends at school to listen to you talk about Jesus. It's so hard because people just want to get away. They really don't want to hear the truth. And they will manage to avoid, they will manage to evade every single person who's going to try to tell them the truth. It's a miserable way to live, but a lot of people choose this lifestyle. You understand? Just staying away, getting away from the truth. Some people get away from it. Others just get mad. There are people who get so angry when they hear the truth, and especially gospel truth. It just makes them angry. It's the lady who comes up to the press box and says, why are you talking to me that way? It'd be hilarious if you weren't so mad and possibly packing heat in her purse, you understand? It would be amazingly funny that people get so angry and all you've done is tell them the truth. All that you've done is preach God's word. But I'm telling you, some people, when they are in, in contradiction to the truth, it just makes them so angry. There is no one more miserable than a person who is out of fellowship with God. These people are so angry. And honestly, this might be what's wrong with you. Maybe it's why you're so bitter. Maybe it's why you're just so angry. Maybe it's why nobody can live with you. Maybe it is that you just will not listen to the truth. You just get mad and matter and matter and matter as the weeks go by. Why do you get so angry? Jesus preached this sermon to the religious leaders and the priests, and when he was finished, they wanted to kill him. And you know the story, don't you? By the end of the week, they will kill him. They will kill him, but they will not kill the truth. You understand? They will not change the truth one bit. 
Lots of churches deal with the truth by just trading pastors. If the preacher preaches something you don't like, then the solution is simply to form a little committee and get rid of the preacher. But guess what? It will not change the fact that you are living a life in contradiction to the truth. And you will one day face the owner. You will one day face the one who is the truth. And you will have nothing to say and no one to be angry at but yourself. Some people just get mad, and some of you get mad every time somebody tells you the truth. But I just want to remind you that you have another option. You have another option. You could just get right. Are you listening to me? You could simply get right. When you are wrong, get right. The leaders, the priests, they have a tremendous opportunity when they hear this parable, when they hear Jesus speaking, they have an opportunity to listen to the truth and then change the path they're walking. They will not do that and neither will some of you and neither will most of the world simply will not get right when honestly it is your only real option. When you're wrong, you get right. Erwin McManus is another one of my favorite preachers. He tells a story about his son whose name is Aaron. Aaron and Erwin. Aaron is the son. When Aaron was five or six years old, he started asking his dad about God's voice. He said, Daddy, what does God's voice sound like? Honestly, even for a pastor, that's a really hard question to answer. Erwin's stumbled and stuttered and tried to explain to his son what it's like when God speaks. But the real lesson came several years later. Aaron was away at camp, his very first junior high camp, a church camp, the pastor's son with the whole group. Erwin decided to go up and visit the kids at camp. He's the pastor. When he got there, he discovered very quickly that his son was already in trouble. The pastor's son, mind you, already in a world of trouble. Apparently, there had been a horrible fight in the cafeteria, and it was the pastor's son who was in the fight. Apparently, the friends, the cafeteria workers, the counselors, everybody had to pull Aaron McManus off the other boy. Aaron McManus, the pastor's son, was really trying to kill the other boy. It was that kind of fight. He was that angry. And when the father of the pastor got to the camp, Aaron was still breathing fire. He was so angry. He had packed all of his bags. No one had kicked him out of camp yet, but he had packed all of his bags. And the moment his father arrived, he went out and shoved his bags in the car and said, Daddy, take me home. You take me home. Erwin said, Son, let's talk first. And they went out to these two big rocks in the middle of the woods on those campgrounds. Erwin said, Son, talk to me. Talk to me. Aaron told the whole story about the fight and how angry he was and how he just wanted to leave and and never have to deal with it. But Erwin said, son, let's stop. In the last 24 hours since that fight, and as you were sleeping last night, and even as you sit here right now, is is there a voice speaking to you from inside your soul? Do you hear a voice telling you what to do? The boy said, yes, daddy. I hear a voice. Yes, daddy. Erwin says, son, are you able to identify this voice? Whose voice is it? Aaron said, daddy, it's God's voice. It's God's voice. Erwin said, son, what is God telling you to do? The voice said, God's telling me to stay and work this out. 
Erwin said, okay, let's stop. Stop and listen to me. No matter what else has happened, no matter what else is going to happen, I want you to recognize something. God is speaking to you. You are hearing God's voice from within your soul. That's God's voice. And no matter what else, I want you to remember what that voice sounds like. And I want you to know that he's speaking to you. That's God speaking from inside your soul. Son, don't ever forget that and don't ever run away from that voice. That voice is the very, very center of your life. Don't ever, ever forget what that voice sounds like. Little boy looked at his daddy and said, Daddy, it might be God's voice, but I'm still not doing what he said. Father says, son, you've got a choice, and you have that choice. You may choose not to listen to that voice, but let me tell you something, son. When you don't listen to that voice, there will come a day in your life when you won't even hear that voice anymore. There will come a day in your life when you will swear that God has never spoken to you and that you never hear God's voice. There will come a day in your life when you will deny ever having heard it and you will never, ever be able to hear it again. Son, you can walk away from that voice, but understand there are consequences for that. You may never hear that voice in the rest of your life. Your heart will grow very, very hard and your ears will grow very, very dull. Son, don't ignore that voice. boy stayed at camp, by the way. He worked it out. But what about you? When the truth falls on you hard, and sometimes it falls hard, when you hear that voice from inside your own soul telling you that the road you're walking is not the right road, when you look at God's word and you compare God's word to the way you live your life and you realize that your life is a contradiction of God's word, you have a choice to make. When you hear the truth and you feel the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit on your own heart, you have a choice to make. Those of you who say God never speaks to you, you're lying. You're lying. You know he speaks to you. Those who say God's never spoken to me, you know you're lying. He speaks to you. He's speaking to your heart right now. But it's so much easier to say he never speaks than to say I never listen. So much easier to say he never speaks than to face the truth that you never listen. You ever heard Jesus preach? It's probably not what you expect. You tell a story or or maybe a joke or start talking about the road that leads from Jerusalem to Jericho and kind of get drawn in before you think about not listening, you're you're listening. Before you raise your defenses already, the sermon starts to do its work and the story draws you in deeper and deeper and deeper and then somewhere inside the story, a door closes behind you and then you're stuck. You're stuck in that sermon with the truth. Then you got a choice to make. Try to get away from it if you want, but you never will. You can get mad if you want, but it will not change the truth. I'm telling you, when you're wrong, just get right. Just get right. When God speaks, you listen, you change, you obey.
But no matter what, you do not close your ears to his voice. Don't ever, don't ever stop listening to his voice. Pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, preachers come and preachers go. Truth remains. Sermons are short, sermons are long, but the word of God endures forever. God, we recognize that you are a God who speaks, but we are people who do not listen very well. Lord, I pray that today you will open every ear. I pray, Lord, that you will lay open every single heart. I pray, Lord, that your truth will penetrate the calluses of our hearts like an arrow. Lord Jesus, today, drive the truth home. Lord, there are many of us in this house, many within the sound of my voice, who are not right with you, who are not right with the truth. Lord Jesus, I pray that all of us today who are not right, I pray that we will get right. Lord, I pray that all of us today who are angry, who are worried, who are disturbed by the truth, Lord, I pray that we will continue to listen and to work through the Holy Spirit until somehow, Lord, that truth becomes peace to us. Truth becomes the words of life for us. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person listening today. I pray that they will hear your voice and not walk away. Whatever you're calling us to do today, Lord, we're listening. We are listening and we will obey you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together, please. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to whatever God is saying to you today. The altar is open if you wish to come and pray. If you want someone to pray with you, one of us will be there. If you have a physical need for healing, our deacons will meet you on the organ side to anoint you with oil and pray for you. Whatever your need, this is your moment to come. Come to Jesus as we sing together. Brother Andrew. Let's sing together hymn 217. Oh, how I love Jesus. There is.